Today is National Housing Day in Canada. What's that mean to you? What's it mean to all of us? We've started to have different conversations about shelter versus housing, where that shelter could be. Some of the important conversations to say, what lets somebody keep a home? What's a home? What's a house? What's shelter? I tackle all that in the 7 a.m. open. Here it is right here on Toronto Today. I find this interesting. Um, I've never experienced homelessness, but I know people who have. And by the way, I know more people who know people who have. We always drive by these intersections and we say, what's her story? How did this happen? What's his story? How did this happen? How long has it lasted? How long will it go on for? And we have to start asking more questions about what we're achieving. We want to build, build, build. We all say, oh, Toronto should have access to affordable housing. Here's my line in the sand as well about Toronto. We have to be practical about living in Toronto and what it's going to cost. I've said this before. If all of a sudden I decide, well, I need to live in the United Kingdom. Well, I know starting off as a younger person or I'm somebody that has had a few bad bounces or bad breaks, I can't move into uh, I can't move into a condo in in uh, in Piccadilly Circus. I, I know that I can't live off uh, off off uh, Marlebone High Street. I can't move into downtown Tokyo and go, hey, it's my right to be here. I can't do that. But that doesn't mean we can't do better than we are doing to invest in building social housing. A video from opposition leader Pierre Polyev got a lot of attention, including from one of my guests on yesterday's show. But he struck all the right notes. He filmed it in Vancouver. You know what's going on in Vancouver. Cost of living is out of control. Real estate is out of control. They've tried everything they think they can so far in terms of limiting foreign investment, making sure houses aren't just being flipped, making sure it's not just a a financial transaction here. Okay, I understand having a roof over your head, kind of like clean water and food should be a human right. But the where and how big and what the conditions are are still things we need to talk about. They are. Here's some of Pierre Polyev's video that got all the attention. And I had Nate Erskine-Smith, Liberal MP, on yesterday to respond to it. Here's some of the Pierre video. If you take a walk down streets like East Hastings in Vancouver, you will see tent cities where adults are laying face first on the pavement having just completed their most recent dose, not sure whether they'll actually awaken, where police and social workers literally have to scour the streets 24-7 to check pulses of people lying on the pavement, not as extraordinary circumstances or one-time emergencies, but daily events. In fact, there were 71,069 Canadians who died of overdoses in 2021. So that's Pierre Polyev in the House of Commons. And in many cases, there's a middle ground here. There's people that are homeless doing their best to get back on the street. There's people who don't suffer from addiction, don't suffer from untreated mental illness, and they'd benefit from us subsidizing housing. They'd benefit from, quote unquote, tiny homes. If you don't know what they are, Google them, but I've done many segments on them. I'll continue to do many segments on them. It costs us more money. If you're worried about your bottom line and your tax dollars, we're already well aware in the last two and a half years, nothing's free. It's just taxpayer funded. That rapid test, taxpayer funded. That vaccine, taxpayer funded. But subsidized housing is for the long term. That's playing the long game, not the short game. 
So we can do a much better job of helping fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters um, benefit from subsidized housing. But there are many homeless, and I don't want to put a percentage on it, but you know it and I know it, where there's issues of mental illness and there's issues of addiction. So how do we help those people? And how do we make them part of our fabric? How do we pick them up? There's always going to be homeless issues. There always will be. But on this, on National Housing Day, there's nothing like what we have right now. We didn't have open drug scenes and we didn't have homeless encampments quite like we do in our cities now in North America. So what has changed? There's an argument to be made in a bunch of different levels about this. I took a trip to Sudbury for kids soccer in September of 21. Sudbury, massive homeless encampment, massive in a park. Must have been 30 tents. And is that is that an area where it's it's safe to sleep at night? I don't know. I didn't have to do it. Is that an area where there's open drug use and and that the cops would be in big trouble if they tried to move people out, shut it down, get people inside? This is when the weather's nice, too. I should point that out. Um, it didn't it, it wasn't lost on me what those people might experience in Sudbury come. I don't know. The other six months of the year when it's freaking cold, it's Sudbury after all. Um, Nate Erskine Smith said this about Pierre's 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 video, Pierre's stance in the House of Commons. And he does document the idea that there's a way that government can do more than they're doing. I had a bill before Parliament that would have looked at one decriminalizing drugs, but really looking at moving towards mandatory treatment. And I, and I was going back and forth with experts in this space, considering you know, is the Portugal model the successful mm-hmm. one? Is there another model we can look to that would say, we're not going to put you in prison, but we're going to, there's some coercive element here to, to get you in front of a, a tribunal of healthcare workers and, and a tribunal to make sure you get, you're forced to get the help you need. And the overwhelming evidence-based response I got was to say, do you want to be successful or do you want to be political? And if you want to be successful, then the answer is sure people get the help they need and they will be more likely to seek treatment if they get the help they need not if you're pointing a gun to their head that's nathaniel erskine smith liberal mp from beaches east york on our show yesterday it's very true we need more housing but we also need voluntary addiction and psychiatric care how do we get permanent supportive housing for people suffering from mental illness how do we put in universal psychiatric care you might say hey we've got free health care right how's that going for us Drug treatment on demand, treatment on demand, not drugs on demand. There is that fine line. And how do we build more shelter space for the homeless? We have nowhere near what we need in Toronto right now. So what has to be acknowledged as well is how do we utilize housing as a reward for good behavior? I agree it's a right, but how can we find that middle ground between abstinence, you don't do drugs, you're not abusive, you're not violent, and if you are, you come in and you get the treatment for it. You've often heard the phrase, how do you help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves? And I don't have a great answer for that. But I don't think homelessness causes addiction. It's far more the other way around. I would stand firm on that. I've looked at the numbers. So encouraging more of the same policies that caused homelessness to spread and increase in Toronto over the last decade doesn't make much sense to me. And yes, you have a right if you live in an area and subsidized housing is going to come in your direction. You have a right to ask about the conditions. I'm I'm sure that you do. 
Michael Schellenberg uh, ran for mayor of uh, or ran for governor of California, and he wrote the book called San Francisco. And he documents the fact we've got to find a middle ground here. And being compassionate isn't always the be all and end all. You're not helping somebody by enabling their sickness. You need to require that they have some standards for themselves that they not engage in self-destructive behaviors publicly, camping publicly, defecating publicly, using drugs publicly. These things are are not acceptable. They're not compatible with the civilized society, and they're not all they're also not fair to the person who's suffering addiction. Yeah, it doesn't stigmatize the addict. We want to stigmatize the addiction. Hate the game. You don't have to hate the player. So we've got to figure this out. How do we make housing a reward for good behavior? And shouldn't we? I'm real curious what you think of that statement. Can we make housing a reward for good behavior? Staying straight, being clean, mostly abstinent on the things that land you on the street in the first place. Do we want to have real conversations about it or not? We can't. We don't live in some kind of Pollyanna world where we can legislate equality, where we can keep everybody on the straight and narrow. We we can say, hey, don't worry about your flaws. Don't worry about your addictions. You just be you, and we'll cater to you. That does not work. So it's this dominant view. I'd like to consider myself a progressive person, but I don't align with the idea that homelessness, drugs, mental illness, it's all about victimization. They were victimized at some point. We're not blaming the victim here. Even some people who view drug dealers as victims. We have to get over that. This is terrible for the mentally ill. We have to help them and not addressing the problem doesn't help them in the long term. Not one bit. They die on the street which the opposition leader did point out. He was right to say that.